Welcome to The Breakdown with Brad Corp and Becky, a weekly podcast that breaks down politics, policy, and current affairs. I'm Becky Scherer. And I'm Michael Broadcorp. I am excited to be back with you after a few weeks off, and I appreciate my co-host for holding down the fort. And of course, shout out to Jeff Kolb for stepping in and attempting to fill my shoes. This week is a recap episode of sorts. You are stuck with just me and Michael as we break down a variety of recent events. We are going to start with my favorite topic currently, a breakdown of the share wedding. Then we are going to break down some controversy of sorts surrounding the recent interview with Don Samuels, who is challenging Congresswoman Ilhan Omar in the 5th Congressional District. We are also going to break down some developments related to the recent interview Michael and Jeff did with Blaine Mayer, Tim Sanders, about his alleged, quote, conflict of interest that does not exist, and some strange activity by his, we'll just call them opponents. We will briefly break down the Republican Party of Minnesota's state central meeting from this past weekend and the failed attempt to overthrow MNGOP chairman David Hahn. And we will end with a sad and depressing conversation about our Pickums League. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back. Thank you. It was a great couple weeks off to focus on the wedding. It was a wonderful celebration. I appreciate you attending. It was great to be there. Um, you're married now. Yeah. Now this is now let's clarify with people. This is your first marriage. Correct. That wait, that we know of, right? Yeah. Okay, this is your first marriage. First marriage. Uh, uh, it was a great wedding. Thanks. Yeah, technically second wedding. So we did technically get officially married. Um, we had a little ceremony while I was pregnant with Wyatt. Uh, you know, we had decided to go the baby route before the wedding bash route and got married in March of 2022. Um, but, you know, you don't wait 35 years to get married and not want your bash. We wanted our bash. Such a good guy. You married him twice. Such a good guy. I married him twice. That's fantastic. That's a great story. No, it was a lovely affair. It was lovely to be there. Thanks. Yeah, it was really fun. You know, obviously a lot of work goes into it. And planning a wedding with a toddler, you know, he is 17 months old and is, um, you know, it's just uh, uh, you have no idea what's ever going to happen. And uh, he was a total rock star. He had a cold and was still just absolutely fantastic. Um, for the first time in two months, he took a second nap and literally passed out on my husband's shoulder about 10 minutes before they walked down the aisle and was asleep on his shoulder through the entirety of the ceremony, which is only like 15 minutes. Um, and right at the end, when people were applauding, he woke up super excited and uh, it was adorable. It was a lovely moment to see your husband walk down the aisle with your son, uh, across his shoulder, fast asleep. It was uh, a very touching moment, and uh, it was uh, everyone looked great. It was wonderful to be there. Great crowd, great festivities, and uh, congratulations to you and your husband. Thank you. And then, yeah, it was it was fun. We had a good cocktail hour it, that was very successful, based on um, you know the bill we got afterwards. People really <laughs> loved to rip it up. Which was the whole point, right? It really set the yes. tone, had a good dance party. Um, it was great. And I have to, I, I did tweet about this, but we have to touch base on the incredible gift I got from my co-host here. Um, not only did I get, did he, Michael, you and your wife uh, bought our cookware, but you sent a wonderful note about creating a turkey dinner. And then about 12 hours after we got the initial um, gift, we got a delivery of a frozen turkey. I mean, but, epic troll, man. Did you, did, now, okay, so 
Now, I, here's the thing. This should be of no surprise. I hit that list, the registry, for days to try to figure out what combination I could do to send some sort of message. And then the cookware hit me. It was perfect. But then you had to compliment it with something. Then you had to compliment it with something. And the big addition was the turkey, which, you, which God bless Amazon. God bless Amazon that I can be anywhere in the country and just coordinate the arrival of a 12 to 14 pound frozen turkey. Delicious turkey, I hope. Yeah, it was it was incredible. You know, the Joe went out and he was like, wait a minute, we got somebody's groceries here. And he's like, wait, they're it's addressed to you. And I was like, oh my God, it's a freaking turkey. I knew it before it was even open. I knew, I knew you didn't disappoint. You really came through and uh, mad props for you there. That was fun. That was fun. I hope it was meant from the heart. I hope you and your husband have many a good meal with that cook with the cookware. But I do hope that turkey provides an opportunity for a little bit of a learning experience for you in particular. I hope <laughs> that 12 to 14 pounds, that should feed the family with a little oh, bit of extras. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'll don't try it out. No. Don't try to torpedo it, okay? I will find a good recipe. I will do my best. And I, uh, I'll keep you posted. Thank you so much. I want to pivot to this next subject. And this happened. So you, the week of Thanksgiving, we did the Don Samuels interview. So the Monday before, and then you were off. We did the Don Samuels interview. I'd like to get your take on what you thought about the Don Samuels interview. Now, we did a breakdown of it, but I want to get your take. We did a breakdown right after the interview, but I want to get your take about, just to refresh our listeners, what was your take on the Don Samuels interview? You know, I thought it was great. I thought he really came across, obviously, very passionate about what he does and what he's doing, why he's running. I think it is also not, it's not always a situation in pre-primary where you hear um, uh, somebody of the same party come out swinging as soon as he did. Now, obviously, it is a rematch. Um, and so, you know, he had that going for him. But sometimes, you know, opponents of the same party do hold each other or t- treat each other a little bit with more kids' gloves um, because, you know, eventually they still want to make sure a member of their party wins. Now, it's a little different based on the 5th Congressional District and, you know, Republicans attempt at winning there. But, you know, he really did come out swinging and and really, you know, feels like he has a good shot and good opportunity to to take down Ilhan Omar. Um, what about you? What are you, What's your thoughts uh, a couple weeks removed? I thought it was a great interview. Again, what's our focus? Our focus is to give people the opportunity to speak, talk to degree, which, you know, give them that kind of free space in which to speak. And we promote clips based on what they said. Um, clips that we think encapsulate their comments from the from the positive standpoint of what of what they talked about that's what we thought was the the way to approach now um roughly a week after while you were gone that interview blew up and it blew up in a pretty aggressive way a very aggressive way and let's talk about that for a second um other we've had a number of interviews well that's just we got to tell our listeners what's going on here my dog is literally standing and with his paws on my chair right now. He is being yes. a little high maintenance. We got to start recording video because this your dog is just adorable. Your dog is just having just, just a blast of a time. Mornings, he's so high maintenance. He really wants to just sit and get pet. So I'll um, deal with him. So the interview with Samuels blew up a couple days, around a week later. There was a tweet that was sent out where they, 
they edited a clip, some comments that Don Samuels had made, talking in response to a question you had about overall constituent service. One of the criticisms that Don Samuels campaign, Don Samuels and his campaign has of Congresswoman Omar has been what he perceives to be a lack of transparency, a lack of openness, and lack of connection to her constituents via town hall meetings. And he was discussing that. And the comments will let them speak for themselves. But what happened that week was that Congresswoman Omar's campaign, or Congresswoman Omar, I think it was her campaign technically, sent out a press release about Don Samuels' appearance on our show. And it got really wild there that week. It got really wild. And the thing that I want to take it in a couple steps, but the first thing I want to talk about is the press release where you were labeled Lindsay. Yeah, Lindsay. Now, I want to give you the floor to talk about uh, being labeled Lindsay in the press release. I mean, I got a good kick out of it. It's just one of those things that is kind of some shoddy work, right? Like the name is in the name. Like it's it's really not that hard if you the name of the podcast is the breakdown with Brad Corp and Becky. Um, there is no Lindsay. They got my last name right, so I'll take that. But I mean, come on, do better, guys. Now I want to point out something. I had more than one phone call with reporters. Now what I did is there was a couple of media outlets that ran nearly verbatim with the fact that the even the, though the name of the podcast is the breakdown with Brad Corp and Becky, they went with Lindsay. I felt the need to reach out to some of those media outlets and correct the fact that even though the name of the show is The Breakdown with Brock Corbin Becky, that there is no Lindsay on the show, that there is no Lindsay in anywhere connection to the show. I'll give you, without naming names, I'll give you kind of a recap of what some of my phone conversations were like. And I had this with probably three or four reporters. And they basically went, what they asked, what was my take on the interview? I said, the interview speaks for itself. Uh, Becky and I want to have a space where people get to speak. We promote clips based on the positive aspects of what the interviews are. We don't play any gotcha games and we try to prepare every our guests and have these kind of good conversations. But they kept going back to, what does Lindsay think? I remember saying, there's no Lindsay. The press release says Lindsay. I said, I know what the press release says. There's no Lindsay. I said, the name of the show is The Breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky. I'm Michael Broadcorp and it's Becky Share. It used to be Becky Allery. Who's Lindsay? There's no GD Lindsay. And I had to have that conversation a few times because when it goes out from a press release from Congresswoman Omar, I tell you, they, they think it's the law. And they were like, where's Lindsay? I said, there is no Lindsay. And this, a little funny aside, at, at one of these conversations, I finally said, look, there's only one Lindsay I know in my life. I'm not doing a podcast with that Lindsay. Now, one of my sisters has a daughter named Lindsay, and she's my niece, and we have a pretty substantial rivalry. She's good in <laughs> fantasy football. I think she's beaten me. She's beat me this past week in fantasy football. And so I called my sister and I said, relayed her to the story. And where I broke down in a couple of these conversations, I said, look, there's one Lindsay in my life and I'm not doing a podcast with her. That's Lindsay, my niece, who I'm not doing a podcast with because she's good at football. She's a great young lady. But it was really bizarre. The other point I'd make to you about it is that the whole pretext, the whole basis of Congresswoman Omar's press release was to say it was a misogynist rant and all these types of things. Well, guess what? If you're going to play that card, get the woman's name right who I co-host the podcast with. Don't diminish her role by mislabeling her and getting her name wrong. It's in the name of the GD show, the breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky. And then to call you Lindsay. 
I just thought it was insulting. There was a little bit of cleanup that needed to be done. I agree with you. It's poor staff work. It was poor messaging, poor staff work. And again, it's really not that the only first name that's in the name of our show is your name. There's no Lindsay anywhere. We've never had a guest named Lindsay, I don't believe. Now, that being said, I'd love to have Senator Graham on, Lindsay Graham on at mm-hmm. some point maybe to talk. I will not have my niece on, but I'm happy to have Lindsay Graham on. Or any form of Lindsay, any other Lindsay that we want. It was really bizarre. Now, one other point I want to make, and this was a question I was asked specifically by Esme Murphy. Did we use AI? Now, the conversation I had with Esme was respectful. I wanted to say a couple things. Completely reasonable in this day and age for someone to ask, are people using AI? Number one. Number two, come on. Becky, you have a well-established professional career in Minnesota politics, both locally Minnesota politics and nationally by working in D.C. I have, While I haven't worked in D.C., I've spent my entire life working and living in Minnesota. To think that I would have, or that you and I would have, a Minnesota politician on, that you and I would have a Minnesota politician on, and we would be, we would have them on, we would employ some type of AI software, and that we would then manipulate their statements and then promote them and then stand by them and manufacture them is simply appalling. And so again, I understand that reporters and the public should be sensitive a bit to the use of technology and what it can and can't do. And that there is a scenario by which someone could create the voice of someone and go out there and try to masquerade it as a clip. We talked about some of the concerns with AI and coming in the next election cycle with Secretary of State Steve Simon, the biggest nerd fest I've ever seen with you, (laughs) you and Steve Simon nerding out. And we just, he raised concerns about AI and how it could be manipulated and what could be done. But to think that we would do that, I think is simply appalling. I was offended. I was offended by the discussion. In some ways, I was offended by the accusation that we would use AI. And I think it was a way in which to diminish overall the work that we're doing on this podcast. And I just wanted to just note that rant. What we also tried to not do was make it about us. We let the interview speak for itself. We let the commentary speak for itself. Now, one other thing that I think is I'm actually very proud of. I'm very proud of one of the decisions we made was that, as you correctly noted in the episode we recorded with Samuels, there has not been any debates, any substantive debates. What I meant by debates, and it's pretty clear to our listeners, is that there wasn't like a long form format where Don Samuels and Congresswoman Omar could have a Q&A back and forth. There was a very brief, at the 5th CD convention in 2022, there is a minor few-minute kind of Q&A with the candidates. That's not what I mean by a debate. Technically, that would, in, in a very limited sense, that would be a debate, but that wasn't televised. It wasn't public. In the context that you and I were discussing debates, it was people could come, the public, they could ask questions. There was a format. It was televised. That did not occur in 2022. We, Becky and I, decided after the events with Samuels that we would extend a debate offer to host a debate between Congresswoman Omar and candidate Samuels on our podcast. That debate offer still stands. 
Don Samuel's campaign has accepted our debate offer. We have not heard back from Omar's campaign. I will be following up at least once a week for the foreseeable future until we get an answer because I think it's good that we provide that format and an opportunity. I have also extended an offer to Congresswoman Omar for her campaign for her to come on and have a standalone interview like we provided with Samuels. But the debate offer stands. We're going to be following up with it. One comment I did have about the AI thing is, um, first of all, we didn't put out, this is not a clip that we promoted, right? The clip that Omar's team picked up on um, was one that, whether it was them or, or somebody tipped them off to it, um, chose. So it's not like we calculated some fake clip to promote and get clicks, right? And additionally, um, you know, again, from all my experience working for members or electeds or candidates or whoever it might be, um, I always record the interview on my end as the reporter records the interview on their end. And I think this is something that I expect staff continues to do with the rise of AI at every speech, every function that they are speaking to be able to prevent and and negate anything like that that comes up. Um, But it's just kind of a rough accusation. And I, I don't don't love that. So I appreciate you uh, backing backing us up that we, I mean, to be very blatantly honest with everybody, we do very little editing to this. I mean, if there's like my dog barking or a cough, maybe we'll edit that out. But very, I mean, it is, I, I have yet to really know any um, interviews that we've had to cut substantial things because of of any issues that there might be with that there there's no um putting things together to make them sound better for any narrative that we supposedly have so uh just to be very clear with that um but yes the the debate i think was a great idea i'm appreciative that samuel's team um has taken us up on that i i would love omar's team to do that as well um, and if not us, you know, very, I, I think it is an important thing for candidates to do in a public, you know, NPR usually offers, um, sometimes KSDP or WCCO, um, and then additionally, you know, some private groups that will uh, live stream it. I, I think it is an important thing for um, for constituents to be able to see their candidates, you know, side by side answering the same questions. Um, and getting some of that differences that they don't always get in one-off interviews. So um, time will tell. We will wait and see. Uh, But yes, it was an interesting little week there. Now, moving into our next topic, uh, you and Jeff spoke with Mayor Blaine Mayor uh, Tim Sanders about some kind of, you know, controversy going on up in his city. Uh, I feel like I wish I had, um, was witty enough this morning to have some little joke. I'm from Anoka. Blaine is, you know, kind of a rival right next door, but, uh, but I love Tim Sanders. I think he's done a great job at the state legislature, uh, a great job for the city. Um, and so just want to give my initial feedback, um, or, or recap of, you know, listening from, from the other side this time around. I thought it was a great interview. I think that Sanders is doing a really good job trying to um, increase economic development and bringing in, like he said, restaurants and entertainment and different um, different facilities and stuff for the people that live in Blaine and the surrounding areas. Um, and, and one conversation, you know, I was typing notes as I was listening and then you guys had the same thoughts as, it seems a little wild. I mean, it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't here uh, that 
if he, you know, the, the criticism is that he is trying to invest a restaurant and entertainment space in the city that he lives and works and loves. Um, and people are calling that a conflict of interest. And and as you guys mentioned, and my initial thoughts were too, could you imagine if he tried to, you know, create a restaurant in Anoka and people would be like, whoa, 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 Blaine's not good enough. You're, you know, you're spending all this time and effort to bring other people into our city and you don't even want to invest here. You're investing elsewhere. I mean, so it's, again, it's, it's just a no-win situation. Um, but I'd like you to touch a little bit on kind of some of the things that have come up with this gentleman who um, sat behind the dais and and uh, it was a wild little week after that. It was a wild week. Uh, what started this was I was watching the news the week of Thanksgiving because this is a cut this is in just in the aftermath of in the Don Samuels interview had just basically gone live and there was this this story on t- local television station where it led the six o'clock news about this this council member, in Blaine, who was raising some concerns about what she perceived to be a conflict of interest with Sanders, which in retro, in clearly wasn't in any way, shape, or form. And I went and did a little bit of a deep dive and looked into her a little bit and just figured out these, these accusations and what was going on. We had Mayor Sanders on the week you were gone with Jeff and Jeff having served in the city council in Crystal. And I know Sanders from his time at the legislature. I thought it was a great interview that put some context into what was going on and explained it. It also explained, I think, a lot of bit of the dynamics that goes on at city councils, how they differ from the legislature, and how important it is that there is a good working relationship between council members uh, from various backgrounds. In a lot of situations, these in most situations, these are nonpartisan races. And so you have people from a variety of diverse backgrounds, but that are not necessarily coming through the lanes of Democrats and Republicans in that traditional sense. You try to work in a, in a collaborative way. Um, this is a really weird story, um, a really weird story, both how it started and where it's at right now. And what ended up happening was there was a council member, Lori Soroya from Blaine, who has been just the source of these issues that Blaine is having. And there was a council meeting last week. And at the council meeting last week, there was an individual. Now, we know what a, if you have close your eyes and think of what a council meeting is and how it's formed, there's like a dais or a row of seats. And there was a council, there was a person sitting in the corner behind her during the council meeting. And I'd happened to I'd happened to watch it and saw that this council this person was sitting there. He was later identified as a gentleman by the name of Kevin Landry. Kevin Landry had ran for the ran for county commissioner in Anoka. He is a financial contributor to Lori Soroya's campaign for Blaine City Council, and she contributed to his Anoka County commissioner race. He eventually dropped out of the race in a bizarre thing, but. What was so unusual is as, as you're watching this city council meeting, you're seeing this guy sitting behind in the corner. And a it was spot really that usually is just staff, right? I mean, very few people. Or sit nobody behind sits it. there. Right. It was the person was literally sitting in the corner in this chair. And there is if you're watching this and it's on my Twitter feed at Adam Broadcorp, where I posted some of this, you see this guy sitting there and you're wondering like, what's going on. What we would learn, what I would later learn is that. He was there and he has claimed 
with he claimed that he was there in a capacity as a personal protective officer. He on social media showed that he had a badge. He claimed that he worked in that field. And I documented that on social media and I documented some of these claims. And it, the impression that he gave is that he was there to provide security that night for this particular councilwoman. I don't have any evidence, nor have I seen any evidence, that it was justified, warranted, and nothing other than the creation of some political theater by her and this individual, Kevin. I have no evidence to say that it, it, it's, it was justified in any way. After I pointed out on social media, I asked for some of his credentials in the state of Minnesota, as in many states, in order to advertise and promote yourself or to, if you claim that you are uh, a private detective or you work in that kind of personal protective agent role, you need to be licensed or work under a licensed company. And I have yet to find any evidence that he has licensed himself or that he's working in a company that has given him some authority to present himself that way. The badge that he flashed on social media could be purchased in a number of online places. As I have been told, it is against the law for someone to present themselves as a personal protective agent or officer if you're not licensed. I'm trying to confirm whether or not he's licensed or whether he's doing it in some kind of licensed capacity. I have seen no evidence to date that he is licensed. What I do know is after I made some of the claims and I asked him some questions, he took down his social media feed temporarily. It's now back up. He removed all languages and all posts and any reference to his claims that he was a personal protective agent or officer. Uh, some I think those terms are generally interchangeable in, in some ways. Some people say agent, some people say officer. He had used the, the language officer, but there's no reference on his social media page that I can find anymore to him working in this capacity. It is a crazy situation. And what I honestly think is going on is that this is just some type of political theater that's been created for her, this councilwoman, to appear as if she's being targeted, she's being harassed. And so she brings in this guy with, I think, I don't see any evidence yet that he has any credentials or bona fides to present himself this way. What I have found out about him is that he is part owner of a, a carpet cleaning company. He also does officiate some weddings. I see nothing in his background that would lead me to believe that he has any experience in this type of role. And I think what this city councilwoman is doing is creating just political theater. I think it's nothing more than political theater right now. And she's has going along with this kind of political theater is someone acting as if they're in some form of, in their, they're acting in some capacity as if they're attending these meetings to be her heavy, her protector, her guardian, or whatever at these council meetings to create that she's somehow receiving unfair treatment. And the truth of the matter is, I think that she's made a number of unfounded accusations against Mayor Tim Sanders and other members of the council. And this is some defensive move that she's using to try to claim that she's a victim in this situation. I got to just tell you something. All politics is local. And as I noted on that episode with Sanders, it was a complete nerd fest. I have never seen anything <laughs> like this. And it, it, what's so interesting about this, Becky, is that some of this unfolded. And, and we haven't had a lot of these issues that we've covered on the podcast 
where they're evolving in real time. This one has been evolving in real time. This is the first kind of episode where, first time I think we've done an episode where there's been like some news events that have really kind of rippled from it. And I don't mean news events in the same sense of like the Jensen interview or some of our other interviews that really created some waves. This one was like a little bit, if you followed me on social media and there's been some other developments on this, I'd like to revisit this subject because I think there's going to, I think there were some developments in the last 24 to 48 hours that I think are going to be worthy of us to recircling back and having this conversation. We could talk with Jeff again, break this down a little bit um, more, but it's a weird situation. I think this is what, honestly, one more time I'll say, I think Tim Sanders is a great guy. I think Blaine is a great city. I think he's trying to do a great job at development and having worked in that city. He's trying to develop it as best he can and have there be good opportunities. I think there's nothing. I think the story is not any more complicated than that. I think there's a new member of the city council who has a documented track record of creating some unnecessary drama. And I think that how she's acted in the past is now on display for the residents of Blaine and I don't know if this issue is going to go away anytime soon, but I have no concerns about Mayor Sanders, his work in the city, and how city business is being done. I think that this council member is just out to create trouble. In the absence of her finding trouble, she's going to create it with herself. Absolutely agree. Uh, a couple comments I want to make on that is... Uh obviously, if anybody feels as though they do need security, I mean, more power to you to do what you need to do to feel safe. However, usually that comes with some sort of statement or comment. Um, and as you mentioned in your tweet as well, there was a, a police officer that, as often is at, at official meetings with electeds at any level, there there was an officer from the city um, that was was there at the meeting. Um, my, my biggest take from this kind of perspective is in all of my experience and, and, you know, Republican politics has gotten pretty volatile over the years. And there have been often times where we, uh, either campaigns or working for the state party, security has been needed. Now there's two different types of, of using security, right? There is, let's say Congressman Emmer, when he is at an event, he has security that are blending in, they're standing by the doors, they're kind of more observing. When you have somebody sitting behind you or standing, like when we were at the um, state fair and we had a lot of issues, we would have a security officer out front. You are trying to send a message. That is something that is very um, deliberate in how you're conducting yourself of having a security sit behind you. And like you said, that is really about political theater more than him just sitting in the row, being there if you need him, um, being available if you truly did feel um, it insecure, unsafe, whatever it might be. But that was trying to send a message by having that individual sit behind the dais, sit there um, and, and make it very apparent that, you know, I got this guy working for me. Don't mess with me. Somebody is trying to mess with me, whatever it might be. So um, it's just interesting to, to see from an outsider's perspective. Again, it was a really interesting interview, and I want to nerd out for one second because I think I really loved you guys uh, kind of breaking down the open meeting laws and the financials. I, I think you guys, as you discussed, a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about what city government looks like and how it goes. And, you know, we see on TV that a mayor is uh, of, of cities of all sizes is a full-time job. 
Um, it's very much not the case. And I think that that's a, an interesting perspective to show a lot of people. But the open meeting laws, and I love the breakdown between the different of the state legislature and the um, and city government, because I do think it's a little wild. Um, if we think about any aspect of life, you know, I work for a public affairs firm, um, to think about not being able to have conversations and collaborate before we have to like present something to a client you know, in, in a similar, I understand the needs of having some require or restrictions in place. So things are being done in an open environment, but, um, I really love that breakdown. So I appreciate you guys going into that because, uh, I, I don't think a lot of people know that there are differences of, of what conversations can be had with who, how many people can be present and all of that. So it was a good nerd fest. Um, always love to hear other fellow nerds and man, Jeff was nerding out hard on that one. Almost as good as your nerd fest with with Secretary of State Steve Simon. You know, we're it's a political interview. We're a bunch of nerds. Come on, it's just who well, we are. Come on, I mean, you were <laughs> that was a nerd fest. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it was a real nerd fest. Let's move on a bit to what happened this past weekend, which was the state central meeting for the Republican Party of Minnesota. You were not there. I was not there. Uh, I followed it a bit on social media. Do you want to give your take? Sure. Uh, you know, just a little setting the table. Um, the state central committee is made up of, you know, about 250 delegates from uh, across the state. They're broken up um, by counties, by what we call BPOUs, your basic political organization unit. Um, and so it is, you know, some great activists. There are a lot of people that do dedicate some time um, and energy to uh, their local candidates or to the state party. They donate, they host fundraiser, walk in parades, relatively uh, um, a good group of, of folks. Um, this meeting is largely a, a business meeting for the state party. They do a lot of, um, I don't know what exactly was on the agenda for this one, but we got bylaws and constitution work sometimes. We're electing our party officers. Um, and sometimes, you know, as you go forward towards the state convention in an election year, there will be other work that is done. This one, um, the drama surrounding it was largely about an attempt to um, take down uh, current chairman of the state party, David Han, who we have had on the inter or on the podcast now a couple of times. And um, this is not super uncommon for there to be, um, you know, somebody who wants to run against somebody, uh, a chair that they, they maybe don't think is doing the best job. Um, I think that there were... There's, you know, there's there's a faction of the state party who um, certainly have their motives for doing things, and um, I don't necessarily think that their public messaging always matches what their true motives are, um, and, and this is kind of that situation. So I know you had a breakdown a little bit of um, kind of what actually came down. Um, what I want to say is... Um, I appreciate David Han. One thing he did do is he, so the agenda is set by the state party. The body of the state central committee has to uh, approve that agenda to move forward. So there is an opportunity to add things to the agenda should the, the majority of the body choose to do so. One thing that was not on there was, um, you know, the vote to take down David Han, right? Um, David Han added that from my understanding. Is that correct? He, he is correct. the one who made the motion to say, 
hey, I know this is going on. Let's put it on the agenda. Let's 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 do this, um, which I always think is a great move, right? You know these people are out there. If you don't allow that to happen, then there's going to be this big controversy of some, you know, you're manipulating the system. You're not allowing people to be heard. And so I think that is always a really great move. Um, I appreciate him doing that. But if you want to maybe break down a little bit about how that kind of came to be and, and the votes necessary and how miserably they failed. Yes, there was, so the, as Becky articulated, there was a state central meeting this past uh, Saturday, and there was some dust up coming up. There was a group of, Repub- a very small group of Republican activists who have been raising some bureaucratic issues inside the party, and they have turned, they've whipped themselves up into as if this is some legal or ish, some legal issue that is going to challenge the existence of the party going forward. It is delusional. It is generous of me to say it is delusional, what some of these people have been articulating. But they had created a little bit of a dust-up coming into the state central meeting. And David Han, we've had on the podcast a couple times, just looked him dead in the eye and said, great, you want to have this debate? You want to remove me as chair? Let's have that vote up and down. And it was a very aggressive move on his part. It was an absolutely aggressive move that he did it. He should be proud of the fact he did it. And here's a couple interesting notes. They needed roughly 232 people were needed to remove him. David Han offered the motion to have there be a vote up and down on whether he should stay as chair. 184 people voted. So David Han went to the microphone and said, look, I want there to be a vote on this. 184 people voted to have him, to have the opportunity to remove him as chair. So they agreed. So not only was he successful in getting there to be an up and down vote on him, but only 96 people voted to remove him. And they needed roughly 232 people to do it. And so this was an incredibly small group of people inside the party apparatus. And I think what it shows is how small of a group this is, number one. And then number two, the fact that he was able to to win in such a strong position shows that the vast majority of delegates, more than two-thirds of the delegates there, want David Hanna's chair. They want to move forward. And they want this party to be focused on winning next November. We have talked about this consistently, where you and I are in the party apparatus, how we feel about the party. There is no better example of how political parties on both sides can generate the necessary anchors that they need around their own necks to not advance. And the the activists that have been distracting the party from this from their mission and from their goal are the 96 people that were involved in this type of stuff. The party needs to move forward. David Han is the chair. As I noted on social media, this needs to be the last internal dust-up. David Han came in as chair in the aftermath of a chair who left, who resigned. He has been trying to clean up the mess of the party since that time. They had a tough election cycle and David Han and I have had our disagreements over the years. He is a steady hand right now. He is exactly what the party needs. He is exactly what the party needs right now. A steady hand at the till, someone who can be a good steward of the party and navigate it through these rocky times that are coming ahead. And I hope that the activists inside the party that are part of the 96, that they start working in a more collaborative way for Republicans so Republicans can win next November. 
we have talked about consistently and I have said consistently that there needs to be balance in this state. There needs to be political balance in this state. And the best way for there to be political balance in the state is for the Republicans to start winning, getting back the House, flipping the House, making gains again and maybe potentially winning the Senate and leading and building a platform that they need to start winning some statewide elections. We've seen what happens with one party rule in this state. It's not good, I think, from a policy standpoint. It's not good from the standpoint of democracy. I think there needs to be checks and balances. And the 96 that are a part of this need to start working with Republicans in a better way and start winning some elections. And this is all of this internal bureaucracy dust up has been nothing but a distraction from that. Absolutely. You know, it's always been something that's driven me insane. I 100% understand standing behind your values and um, questioning authority and doing what you need to do. Um, I'm always just a little troubled with these kind of dust-ups that, um, you know, David Hanna is is, is very intent and his goal as chair of the state party is to win elections. That is what the state party is meant to do, and that is what he is solely focused on. And so, you know, a lot of times when it's folks that believe that his that the state party's messaging is not conservative enough, they're not far right enough in a lot of ways, um, do they understand that the alternative is Democrats? I get it. You, there, you are all about that. Let's get our Republicans in the door, and then we can have those substantial policy. Um, let's get the Republican trifecta. Then we can have those substantial policy debates of which side of the right side of the spectrum we want to be on policies. But we need to get our Republicans in the door so we can actually have power and make a difference and get Republican, conservative, fiscal conservative, good, um, you know, state-focused laws passed. And then we can we can focus on some of the other stuff. And, and I'm with you. I'm hopeful. I, I, I would say I'm, I'm not that hopeful, but I do agree that I wish these folks would move on and, and kind of coalesce behind David Han and the state party. At the very least, I hope they they remain active in some capacity within their, you know, communities. Um, and, you know, we need door knockers. We need phone callers. We need people to support the party apparatus at all levels. Um, I don't think I, I know that going into an election year, I'm sure we'll have some criticism of this at some point. Um, but at this point, you know, we need to head into 2024 strong if we're going to have any chance uh, to retake the House and to make different um, inroads at the state legislature. So. Fingers crossed, right? Correct. And the other point I make is that this group has been organizing for quite some time. They have not been able to find a candidate. They did not have a candidate to replace David Hand. There was not someone that had come forward and said, I want to lead this party. And the reason why is because people want David Hand to lead right now. Had David Hand been removed on Saturday, it would have created, I think it would have paused all party operations for 60 to 90 days at a bare minimum. Donor money would have frozen up. There would have been no money coming into the party. And to what end? And I do question sometimes if these people realize, some of these people realize that their political adversaries, their political competition is the Democrats. But they have demonized and made David and their enemy. They've done all this stuff when, in fact, that their political adversary is the Democrats. And All they are doing is weakening the party internally and preventing it from gaining momentum, gaining success, building the momentum that they need in order to take to have a successful election. 
I mean, it's very reminiscent of the speaker's debacle that we just went through. When they took down Speaker McCarthy and had no plan in place, and things grinded to a halt in a really precarious time for our country. And it was just, we all lost. We all lost. Aside if you didn't, regardless of whether you liked McCarthy or not, the entire country lost in those weeks of of that debate. And so I am very pleased that they were unsuccessful. I hope that, you know, here, if you want to do it, start planning, have an actual candidate, run a true campaign when the chairmanship is up in, you know, the next time it is up. And, and plan accordingly. We need to be done with these supposed coups and this kind of situation. It's just, uh, I'm over it. Let's move on. Let's be successful. Let's work together. Democrats have it figured out. Let's, let's figure it out. I would agree, Becky. Um, as we pivot to our next subject, I do want to disclose that if there was, if I did use AI, I would use it in two areas. Your <laughs> food takes... And uh, your football picks. Man, if I used AI in my f- football picks, I might be a little more successful. What's going on here? Like, man, do, we need to, do we need to have a little a breakdown breakdown of what's going on here? So here's the deal. You know, my strategy. Oh, I know the deal. After I started really stumbling was. Oh, I gotta, here we go. I got to the facts, right? So when we have a, a team that's like, you know, 7-4 playing a team that's 5, you know, 6 I got to go for the underdogs sometimes. I got to, you know, go for the home team advantage versus, you know, the one uh, winning team that's away. I got to I got to take some chances to try to make some inroads and man have I been feeling miserably. I am waving my white flag. I'm not giving up fully. I am still going to put in my picks. I'm still going to hope that I don't know what I can hope for. That you have a technical difficulty like I did maybe. Um, here are my like, you know, putting out my thoughts for, for technical difficulties <laughs> towards you. Um, but man, it's been a rough go. I, I mean, not only have I not, I, I've needed to like gain one or two every week and I've lost one or two every week. And it is just really sad. It hurts my heart. I'm not ready to concede yet. It's not over till, you know, I I don't know that we can say that saying anymore. So it's not over yet. Um, but it's been brutal. It's sad. It's depressing. I hate to lose. Well, yes, and and, and let's just put in context where you're at. You are ten games behind me. Oof. Oof. Ten games behind me. Here's your real concern. Mike Zipko is one game behind you. I know. You there's a possibility you could finish in fourth place. I know. Mike is winning our, our work league too. So I'm um, just so I'm making a play for Spencer. I want to I want to knock him off. There's still a possibility that I have to make some ground, but I got to tell you something. I have accomplished my goal so far. We have what three weeks left in the season? Yeah. No, we have we have four weeks left in the season. We have uh, there's four more there's four more weeks left. Mathematically, you're still in the hunt. Mathematically, it's possible. I think Wild it's unlikely. <laughs> it's unlikely. But I think it's mathematically possible, so we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll, we're going to do this if the podcast continues. I think it's going to continue. <laughs> I think we're going to keep doing this, right? I think so. So next season, we'll have to come up with a way. We'll, maybe we can start with, we'll give you a, we'll a five-game lead. No, no. Come on. I'm going to win fair and square. That is a rule in our house. We don't. No. You don't need a five-game buffer? No. Okay. I'll let you pick my games one, one, one week? Maybe. Okay, good. Well, Becky, it has been wonderful to have you back. 
I hope you're going to enjoy that turkey. Congratulations on your second marriage to the same guy. No, that's not. No, wait. No, wait. That's not the way to say it. Second wedding. Second same wedding. Marriage. That's second marriage. I'm sorry. Right. I knew I said that wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> your second wedding to the same guy. Yeah. We want to thank you for listening to The Breakdown with Brock Coben Becky. Before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the platform where you listen. You can leave a review or give us a shout out on our website or across all social media platforms at at BB Breakpod. The Breakdown with Brock and Becky will return next week. Thank you again for listening.